When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, welcome to another edition of Showtime with Coop. Insightful BS with my uh, Laker teammates and NBA legends. And I am so honored to have kind of like both for me. Uh, NBA legend and a Laker, all-time great Laker, Jerry West. Jerry, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Michael. Great to see you and look like you're your chipper old self again. So I just <laughs> spent some time with you. Minus the hair, Jerry. Uh, real quick, Jerry, we'll get into some of your accolades. I know you're not that type of person. Jerry never brags on himself. One of the most humblest persons I've ever been around. Uh, NBA scoring champion, NBA champion, NBA, NBA finals MVP. Jerry, as I was doing my work behind the scenes on this, I didn't know you were first team all defense. So, Mike, that, uh, was, four late times. My, that was late in my career when they didn't <laughs> even do it. And uh, Obviously, when I first came into the league, you know, it was a different kind of league than it is today, obviously, a lot more grabbing and holding. And it really was uh, probably would have been a great time for you to have been there because you're a very aggressive defensive player yourself. You like to get after people. And that was in, frankly, that was in vogue then. Very aggressive physical game. Not so much team orientated unless you, you know, unless you had somebody could block shots behind you. But uh it was a completely different game. And one of the things I was taught early in my career is that the, um, the element of defense uh, was something that people really didn't concentrate. Everyone always looks at scores and everything. And I've always felt the best players were the best well-rounded players. But I had coaches that emphasized that with me throughout my career. And uh, fortunately, I wish they'd kept it earlier, and particularly steals. Um, that would have been a... Uh, would have been fun because uh, it's a big part of the game today, all the statistical things. Then it was wins pretty much and who was scoring the points. You're on the 35th annual anniversary team. You're on the NBA 50th anniversary team. You just made the NBA 75th anniversary team. Numbers retired in the Lakers. Jerry, I've never had my number retired in college. Your your number 44 is at West Virginia. (laughs) Retired. Jerry West. Jerry, uh, you just kind of went over it a little bit, but give us a little bit of what was your drive basketball-wise growing up. Well, I think, Michael, like uh, like growing up in a small town <clears throat> and or a bigger city, um, kids kind of gravitate toward each other in, in terms of competing and playing. And uh, it was a very uh, – I grew up in a very quiet neighborhood and so none of the kids like to do the things I like to do. And basketball was a solitary game. And uh, I say growing up, I, I never went on a family vacation. We didn't have a car. Uh, all I did was run everywhere. And I loved to be in the mountains, loved to be, I loved to fish. Uh, those were all solitary things. And so I had learned quite early in my life that, uh, you know, if you're do, uh, it's going to be fun. And for some reason, basketball was chasing that ball around when I was a kid was, uh, was all I could do. And, and in terms of trying to get my mind stimulated and doing something positive. And pretty soon I learned that uh, if you tell yourself 
so many positive things, Michael, when things around you look so bleak and particularly the way some of us have to grow up. Uh, that was a very, very uh, kind of a mind-blowing experience. I used to talk to myself all the time. I could take make myself be the best person. I could do this. I could do that. Like Superman, knowing full well that none of this was going to be um, going, going to ever happen. And sometimes dreams do come true. I found out pretty quickly that uh, that I was so far away because I was so little and I never had grown much. And um, all of a sudden I got to be pretty good. I went to high school, I was six, two and a half and weighed 147 pounds. I was probably like you. <laughs> what, do you what do you weigh when you're Laker? 176 pounds, six foot five, <laughs> six foot six. Um, and so all of us are constructed differently, but uh, I became one of the best players in the state and uh, I was named the best player in the state when I was a senior. And so a lot of, I got a lot of college offers to go to school and frankly, Michael, I didn't even know how to cope with it because I was brought up in a background where, uh, you know, being uh, being wanted was not part of my, my my this area there. People just had jobs, hardworking jobs. A lot of them worked in the coal mines. And uh, it was all of a sudden people clamoring over you. And I didn't say a word, Michael. I was so quiet and so shy. And um, I didn't even know what it would like be like to even be away from home. I'd never really been away from home. I never, never had a family vacation, really nothing together as a family. And all of a sudden I started getting recruited a lot. And, uh, you know, people were offering me a lot of money, Michael, to go to school then. And uh, about four times what my father was making, he was making $400, $450 a month with six kids. And so you see that and you start to say to yourself, well, why won't, would someone want to pay me? They don't even know me. And I think all of a sudden kids find out it takes longer for, uh, longer for some kids, particularly back in our era, uh, to realize that maybe you are important and you don't want to think you're important. So I made a decision to go to West Virginia University after being just pursued beyond belief by, by coaches. I even have an offer from UCLA, which is crazy at that time. But um, uh, I decided to go to my state university. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. And um, uh, that really kind of the story is my life to how I got to the point where I was, in uh, some people's eyes, I was important. It wasn't from being a nice kid or, you know, being nice to people or yes or no, sir, please, thank you. That's how I was raised. Uh, it was all about what you could do. I didn't even think about it because at that point in time, but as you get older, you realize that somewhere along the way, this is part of growing up, particularly if you have some kind of a, a talent that people want. So Jerry, you have a, uh, a great college career. You find yourself in the pros with the Los Angeles Lakers. What was your rookie season like? Cause mine was like, they had me carrying everybody's dirty bags and stuff, Adrian Bantley <laughs> and guys like that. Did you experience that? <laughs> Well, Michael, it was really pretty funny. It was it was it was a learning experience for me, and and uh, you know what was really interesting, Michael? I never had a white roommate when I was playing. I always had black roommates, and uh, I, I think we had something in common because everyone had to go to school for four years then. And I, it was probably the greatest educational opportunity for me um, that 
that I can I can possibly imagine. The nights that we spent alone after games, five o'clock in the morning, no private plane to take us anywhere, <clears throat> catch the first available plane out in the morning, and you might have three or four hours sleep. I I still can't sleep. I'm not a great sleeper and never have been. It probably was a, a, a positive thing for me. So um, uh, just being educated again to the realities of the world. And uh, as I say, I learned more from an educational standpoint with my teammates and maybe I did with um, going to school for four years, that's for sure. Gary, you know, you have your Laker career, you go through it, and then you find yourself on a team with Elgin Baylor, the late, great Elgin Baylor, late, great Wilt Chamberlain. You guys, to me, and now granted the Celtics had what they had back East, but you guys were like the first three super great players on a team. How did you guys coincide? How did you make it happen together? We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro college football actions this season. With a new updated site, interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. But you guys were like the first three super great players on a team. How did you guys coincide? How did you make it happen together? Well, you know, uh, two completely different personalities um, uh, in, in terms of uh, Elgin and, uh, and, and uh, Will. Two, two completely different people, Michael. And uh, frankly, it was a team that was not not together okay it, it just couldn't play together at that point in time and you know El, we were all getting old Elgin had had some really bad injuries and he was you know he was the teammate of my dream um uh, just the best person you'd ever want to be the most sharing giving uh I idolized him not only as a player but as a person he was he was genuine and Will all of a sudden had you know had this big personality uh and someone who if you don't know people like that and you know some of the things they do, you're almost reluctant to even say hello because, and pretty soon you find out, <laughs> pretty soon you find out he's a great guy. And uh, it was, frankly, it was frustrating because I thought we could be better um, than we were, but it just, it just didn't work. And again, age was a factor there and, and particularly Elgin's injuries because, you know, he was, he was like the, uh, acrobatic star that period of time um but more importantly he was a great teammate somebody just loved to be around he was fun uh generous and Wilt was different but he, everyone is different Michael and you have to learn in, in a locker room that you know you see certain people that react to games different ways um uh, I know every game was like a, a war uh every game was like if we didn't win I was devastated uh, I hated to lose and you know people don't realize you know they see an NBA season 
comprised today of 82 games. And if you lose 22 games, in my college career, I didn't lose 22 games. And you lose 22 games and you say to yourself, oh my God, what a horrible season. Well, you won 60. And so you have to understand that people, the most competitive people play the most competitive games. It's simply not possible to win every game. Unfortunately, exhibition games today are nothing. Uh, we took them serious then, but we played, my first year, I think we played 14 exhibition games, um, 13 of them against the Boston Celtics. And you can imagine what the last few of those, there were, the last two games we played, there were fights <laughs> before the Harley game even started. And you just got to the point where we couldn't stand to see each other all the time. But um, And Jerry, hold up, just on that point there, I'm glad you brought that up because it will bring something up as I was looking through your background where Coach Van Brennikoff was a coach and he called Wilt, uh, a slacker and Wilt called him the worst coach he's ever played for. And I guess they got into a confrontation where Wilt was getting ready to punch him. Elgin steps in, breaks it up. And again, I know what you're talking about chemistry. And, and with that being said, you, your 25 point average was the lowest of your career because you felt the chemistry wasn't there with the team. Well, you know, as I say, with three guys like that, Michael, I, my career was all over the place in terms of scoring and stuff. And a lot of men has played um, uh, during those career. Every Everyone, I think, averaged over 40 minutes a game. And we have good teams. I think six times in my career, I averaged over 40 points. So we had a lot of blowout. But, you know, the problem was is that respect. Um, when, you, when you're trying to assimilate yourself and make yourself a team – it wasn't dependent. This team wasn't dependent on Baylor and West to lead in scoring. And we did every year, the two of us. That's not the way to play basketball, Michael. It's not fun. And it's really taxing on you both physically and mentally. During that period of time, you're trying to adjust your game because you don't want to, you don't want to intercede and, uh, and affect Elgin's game and or Wilt's game. And Will had gotten to the point where, you know, he wasn't scoring a huge amount of points tonight. His presence out there, uh, rebounding-wise, blocking shots. And, he, Michael, he was a very good passer. Yeah. He actually led the league in assists, and people did not know that. But it just was not a match made in heaven. It was not. And it just didn't mesh. And they say there was, uh, there was adversarial feelings between the coach and the biggest player in the league at that time in terms of size and probably personality. And uh, that was not fun to be around. I will tell you it was not. And, you know, people were asking you to take sides. Should I take the side of a player or take the side of the coach? And don't, don't get me wrong. Okay. Michael, what, whoever I played for as a coach, whatever he asked me to do, I did. If I even didn't believe it, I did it. And it was, you know, coaches back then were completely different than they are today. Um, you know, they had little help, uh, maybe one assistant. They had uh, really no scouting reports. You know, every game today is like a preparation for a test. Yeah. And some players pick that up quicker. And the veterans who stay around, like yourself, uh, the players who played more than 10 years, 14, 15 years today, uh, those are the players that seem to be able to assimilate themselves in a team game mm-hmm. and also know what is expected of them of each game, regardless of what your position. If you're a rebounder, defender, uh, everyone expects you to do that tonight. If you're a scorer, a passer, a leader, people expect that out of you. 
and the more well-rounded a player is, Michael, the more demands on you. Yeah. But if you have a different personality and those demands drive you crazy when you're not winning, um, I was a mess, to be honest. Right? I just hated mm-hmm. the losing, sleepless nights. I hated the, the newspapers to read. Uh, and everyone glances at the newspaper. Uh, you know, all they, didn't, they didn't talk about winning games. They talked about personalities and who didn't like who and uh, had nothing to do with the game. Uh, but it was a it was a crazy time in my life and uh, and not the best of times. How much how much did that inform your roster building strategy when it came to your front office work? Well, you know, it's pretty interesting because I think I know what I like in a basketball player. I like people who really compete. I like a certain look in an athlete, long arm, uh, who are aggressive. Uh, Everyone can't have the same skill level, but if you put a team together and you're fortunate enough to have a couple of really great players, I think it's really important to know who complements them the best. Mm. And teams get, today, teams just trade people all over the place, uh, sometimes hurting the continuity of a team, regardless of where you are. Right. And probably, by, I guess, maybe one of my best or worst traits was the players that came here, I loved them. Uh, happened to be able to uh, work for an, a wonderful owner in Jerry Buss who gave you the ability to talk about things. And would he ask questions? Yes, he did. And we talked about how to build a team uh, around Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Fortunate enough that Irvin Johnson came on the scene who was that missing ingredient. <clears throat> he not only provided the leadership, more scoring, uh, more easy opportunities because he pushed the ball. And he just had this wonderful way about him as a, as a leader to bring everyone together. And I think that's why we saw Kareem be able to play, my goodness, so up to 40 years of age. Um, amazing what one player can do for your teams, not only in terms of, of happiness that he brings within a locker room, but what he does to make you a better player uh, take some of the burden off your ball handling and things that I don't think you were a hundred percent comfortable with. You weren't going to lose the ball, but just have one of those creative people out there who's such a leader uh, led to uh, a great era in uh, Laker basketball history. And it's pretty easy to see what a team needs. And then it was, you know, it was the ability to go out and acquire players that were, not happy in other circumstances and the teams were expecting more of them because they had been great players. But Michael, we had five number one draft picks here in Los Angeles. That's right. The Laker teams that people didn't even know about. And there's something about having talent that doesn't work somewhere else. And, and someone asked me one time about Bob McAdoo. Everyone berated him, what a bad guy he was and everything. Michael, he was a great person. Fun. Yes, he was. He was. Fun. And listen, to put a score out there that, you know, when when everything wasn't going, put him in a game, you're struggling to score. Uh, he always, Michael, he was one of those guys that was just difficult to play. He was big. And I think the funniest thing was hear him get on Kareem's behind in the locker room where <laughs> – where he said, uh, he said, I, I, I remember one day he said, hey, Kareem, I shot 49 on your ass. He said, <laughs> and Kareem said, well, 
I think I scored 60 on your ass. <laughs> but um, it was, you know, it was fun times. Um, if you get a bunch of good guys together, there's something collectively about them that when they go out in the court, uh, they had one vision. That one vision was to win. They didn't care if it was a defensive game, an offensive game. Good teams can win anyway, Michael. Some teams can only outscore you that are good teams. And uh, these well-rounded teams, and you know what joy was like to be there with the fans, how enthused they were. Uh, it was, it was, those were the fun times. And then, unfortunately, Urban had to step away. And, uh, you know, rebuilding time, we were able to uh, acquire Shaquille O'Neal, which is a huge uh, platform for any team to start with. And he, he was young. And we had a young kid that we traded for in the draft, Kobe Bryant. And it wasn't going to be long before those two guys would be able to create another era of Laker basketball. And then, you know, they now they have brought in two or three guys to Dow with uh, uh, mainly the ringleader, uh, LeBron, LeBron James. Carmelo and, Anthony uh, and, and Westbrook. He's, he's a real leader, Michael. Yeah. And his, his um, my gosh, his legendary status as a player he just does everything and he's gotten better and particularly shooting the ball so jerry uh uh, hold up jerry because you're jumping ahead and i like where you're going but i want to concentrate a little bit back on your playing days what was it like playing the boston celtics in the 60s and early 70s well michael you know you played them a lot of times and there weren't that many teams in the league and uh they were battles um i mean you i respected them um uh it was it seemed like every time they needed a basket somehow, they'd get a balance of the right way. And and there were two times that for sure we shouldn't have beat a Michael, two times, and we didn't. And that was the most devastating thing of all, uh, to go home and feel the enormous disappointment. Uh, Gary, what made them so good? What, what made them so good? Well, you know, the greatest winner that ever played professional basketball is Bill Russell, 11 world championships and – you know, they made a trade that was, you know, they trade two white guys for a black guy then, which was in Boston, which is a city that wasn't, it was filled with racial tension. And pretty soon his dominance as a defensive player, uh, they had some guys that weren't very good defenders, but they had two young men coming off the bench, Casey Jones and Sam Jones, that added to their defensive presence. And uh, they were just, they could win any game an offensive game, a defensive game, a physical game, and Bill. What, what did John Havlicek bring to them, Jerry? Was he, because he came off the bench too a little bit. Well, you know, as I say, he was in a perfect place for him because yeah. Michael, they would shoot over a hundred shots a night. Okay. A hundred shots a night. And um, they would be very much like today, uh, today's game. Uh, if it would be one on three, somebody would shoot it, but it wouldn't be a three point shot today. Now, Guys just run behind. They have a layup. They run behind a three-point line. But uh, they played a really fast-paced game. And, of course, when unless you were really knew how to play against Bill Russell, he was a menace out there. And yeah. it took me two years uh, to figure out you always had to see him before you drove. You could not – if you didn't see him, you better look to pass the ball. And so that took away a lot of layups, uh, a lot of really – close attempts to the basket and he always seemed to he was an amazing shot blocker Michael he was like the plastic man he could drive there's pictures of him 
in the air, his body is like flat and he reaches over. An enormous runner, really fast, uh, wasn't a great shooter, uh, but he could do everything that, it, that it, a team needed to make up for the mistakes that these other players made, particularly defensively. And his rebounding ability allowed them to run up and down the court, and that's why they scored a lot of points. Uh, what were the fans like back there, Jerry? Because they were just terrible for us in the 80s. How, well, they weren't that bad back then, were they? <laughs> Well, Michael, I had somebody that, you know, I never went back to the Boston Garden after I played. <laughs> I hated green. You never see me wear green. Oh, why, Jerry? I hate green, too. <laughs> but what was funny about it, Michael, is that they treated us pretty darn well. They really did. And uh, because we had been there so much during the regular season, they saw us play and they saw we had good team. And we won a lot of games against them. But uh, we didn't win enough to make a difference. And I uh, uh, had, I think, Tommy Heinsohn, the late Tommy Heinsohn, said, you're the Boston Celtics' favorite visiting fan. I said, well, <laughs> I said, well, they weren't my favorite fans. <laughs> hey, you listening to Showtime with Coop. We got the logo on here. Jerry West, I've been telling you guys he was coming, but he's finally here. Jerry, what do you think about being called the logo and having that emblem? 